Welcome back to another episode of Supercoach Insider. My name is Ben. And I'm Chris. And thank you for joining us for our Melbourne Demons, the Demons podcast. We are. The 2018 tank sesh. We we, we hope that they can get rid of their demons. 2019 tank sesh, jeez. Yeah. They, they went back to their old ways and started tanking again for a high pick and then realized, oh, wait. And then Gold, then Gold Coast swooped in. This isn't how you win games of football. Look, uh, I, I, like a lot of people, had high expectations for Melbourne last year. I think I put them high, in high top hopes. two in my team picker. My, uh, I had them top four. Predictions, so. Definitely. Uh, but look, thank you for the love so far. Thank you for those jumping on. Um, I hope everyone's enjoying the awesome audio quality, particularly on YouTube this yep. year. So we're tweaking it and uploading good quality audio everywhere, which I think is by now on. we're probably going to be close to about ten thousand listens already this year, which is insane. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going really strong. So really thankful to all the community out there, uh, and we'll just continue to roll on. But our socials, Ben? Yes, Facebook.com forward slash SC Insider, and yep. on Twitter we are SC underscore Insider underscore, and Twitch is Twitch.tv forward slash. Uh, SC underscore insider. So we'll be doing yep. um, Twitch from the end of our uh, normal yep. podcast team by team series. We'll start doing some Twitch live sessions, get some feedback, do some team reveals with everyone, yep. and do some suggestions. Yeah, so we, cool. we quite like to do our little team reveal. So it's about half an hour on each team. So if you've missed some, you can always go back or even re listen to it. Uh, it's a good little way, particularly for drafters and for standard. You're kind of looking at the ones to watch throughout the preseason and some little key differences on who's overpriced, who's underpriced. Uh, but again, this year is all about paying the money because um, there's premiums and then there's a couple of people and then there's no one. Pretty much. Pretty much. Let's get into Melbourne though because they are a very interesting team with a few interesting premiums and then about nothing after that. I was going to say, you must not be talking about their forward line. <laughs> no, Chris. no, definitely not. But we will get into that. Okay, so this year they have the round 13 buy, which is the middle buy. Can be a little bit challenging, but there's not many premiums in that. So most of the ones that you want to uh, have, you're probably going to start with. You're not really going to upgrade to many of these guys because it's the awkward upgrade cycle for this for these teams. Um, incredibly hard start to the season. So this is going to be a really challenge. Surprisingly hard. So, yeah. They play Eagles in round one and then GWS in round two. Uh, so I would pencil that down for an 0-2 start. They're going to be saying hello to our mate Owen Wilson. Uh, I'd also be penciling that down for probably a two tags to Oliver. Oh, uh, yep. Um, and then... They play a little bit easier. They play Frio at the G, and then they've got the Saints at Marvel, who are up and coming. Um, and then the Suns at Metricon, and, uh, and then Richmond. So they would want to at least beat Frio, Saints, and Suns, because otherwise that's three and three, and you can say, yep. They could go very, very well, go in one and five into round six. Yep. The only real one that I say they're going to be favorites for is Suns. Saints have had their measure in the last few years. Yeah, I think, and Saint, I think Saints will be probably starting ahead of them as favourites. I think Fremail and Fremail is going to be a hard gig. Well, it's it, at the G, luckily. But, um, oh, it is? Oh, thank God. I still think that that's still a hard task. It I is. think Fremantle at full strength, they're going to give some teams a bit of a shake this year. So. I think so. But even still, two and two and four is not a good start. No. Um, yeah, I mean, Very if you tough. look at it, you have, what, so West Coast, GWS, and uh, Richmond. So that's three top five sides they play in the first six rounds. Three sides that are absolutely going to pelt them, too. It's not going to be yeah, a... It's, they're, they're, that's going to be a one-way ticket to um, um, the so basic, Okay, so basically Ooh. they're then wanting to beat Fremantle, St. Kilda, and the Suns just to be 3-3. Three and three. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They have to, if they want to yeah, play finals this year, that's tough. they have to exit the first six games 3-3. Three and three. 
Yeah. There's, there's no no question about it in my mind. They are going to really struggle this year. Um, so everyone's saying that they've got this really easy draft, but uh, sorry, the fixture. I don't see it. No. Um, After the six rounds, it probably yeah, it does get a little off, bit easier. But, but everyone knows if you're like one and five, chances yeah. of you making finals are pretty slim. Well, they okay, so they have a really really mixed end to the season as well. So they play Geelong at H- uh, GMHBA in round nineteen. There's a win to Geelong. Um, they play they play Sydney at home. So that's I probably see them equal. I've seen Melbourne ahead of Sydney. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, Pies at the G probably get smashed there. <laughs> um, Carlton at the G, so they'll probably I think they're better than than uh, than Carlton, but we'll see. And then their last game is against North in Launceston, so I'd probably tilt the favour in um, in North's favour there because of course of yeah, the game. You never, in Tassie. you never know what happens in Launceston, and the wind can do wonders. Um, so that is a tough game to finish the year, but their double ups are of course uh, Collingwood. The Suns, which does help them massively. Frio, which can go either way. Saints, which is a bad fixture for them. They always lose to the Saints. Unfortunately, it's just their monkey. Um, and Adelaide. So uh, where do Adelaide sit? Around the eight, maybe? I think there's a lot know. of unknown with Melbourne. Even that fixture, some of those at 50-50, you would kind of be like, well, they could be favourites or they might not. It just depends on they could eat, they could win them or they could get trumped in every single one of them. It's That's a- the biggest problem with Melbourne this year is that no one really knows going to the season how they're going to perform. But well, it's easy to say, oh, they'll go back to their 2018 winning ways, but they don't have Hogan up forward either. And I know huge, I don't want to put a lot huge. of like a lot on Hogan, but he was really key for their. Oh, he structure. was their most important wheel in their cog, and so they didn't replace him, and then they still haven't replaced him this year. It's just a massive fail for them in the forward line, a huge fail. That's a big red cross, and I honestly can't see Simon Goodwin at the. I think he gets fired this year. Ooh. I think he's done because I don't think Melbourne improve. So Ooh. here's the thing. So an unbelievably bad year. They obviously finished 17th after a hugely promising 2018. And they made the preliminary final and they got absolutely whitewashed by the Eagles that year. But moving on, huge injuries to key personnel. Uh, but it can't be understated, obviously, how important Jesse Hogan is. His loss was not replaced and felt throughout the team for the entire season. They constantly tried to plug that gap in the forward line and just with absolutely zero success. Um, so the key indicator for that is Melbourne were actually fifth in the league for inside 50s, but they were number one in the league for clangers and fourth for turnovers. So they unbelievably turned the ball over when got men moving the ball forward. That's because they have no one to kick to. Their forward line is completely inept. Yep. Their forward patterns are just useless. And even when they're clearing the ball, it's like Clayton Oliver, clearance, turnover. Yeah, they're like, pretty much just bombing it in. Even like uh, Brayshaw. <laughs> oh, they have terrible uses yeah. by foot through their midfield and half forward. The only like green light there is when Petraka's on, he's on. Yeah. And that's why he'll never play forward. I uh, play midfield. Sorry, if if he starts playing midfield, their forward line's shot to pieces. They, they they didn't they didn't even draft for forward talent this year. Like I just don't no, see. Well, they, well they, their number one pick though is that Ruckman, who they I'm thinking will hope will play forward. Yes. So they might throw an extra tall down there. So that if he plays tall, or maybe Tom McDonald will be the first one. He might then play the second, and then the most Tom McDonald and... had a stupidly inconsistent year last year. Yep. I mean, again, battling. Apparently, he's injury. a point of difference. <laughs> he's the worst pick ever. Melbourne are in shambles in their forward line. Don't oh. pick any Melbourne players in the forward line. I, I, I would applaud anyone for picking Tom McDonald. Yeah. Now, yeah. their pressure inside the 50 wasn't too bad. So, they did actually have some decent smalls. They were third for tackles inside 50. It was just their efficiency going forward. You know why they had to tackle Chris? It's because they never had the fucking ball in their forward 50. That's true. It was in there, but they would just well, turn it over. Again, when they had stoppages in there, you know, Oliver... 
high tackle numbers inside 50. Yeah, they would still get good tackles inside 50. Oh, yeah. It was mainly around stoppages because they had a, such a dominant presence when they had gone on the field. So many times I watched them, though, that ball leaked like a sieve. They kick it in there, oh. the ball comes to the ground, it's and then they're, they're just back. too slow. Out you go. Uh, it was really, really terrible. It was pain- um, painful. The other stat that's important, 16th in contested marks. Just the inability to make to be able to take a contested mark and move the ball forward or actually convert that into a goal. They just never, ever got the... Like, the forward line is so bad. Like, I can't stress this enough, that they will not be able to move forward this year without a structured forward line. Now, part of that, unfortunately, was also part of the 6-6-6. So... The, the year that they were really good, they made the top four, they had a completely different system to everyone else in the league and they started their wingers off half-back and they had four half-back flankers and two of them literally ran straight up the guts to provide support coming through the midfield. So what would actually happen is you'd have someone like an Oliver or a Brayshaw that they would get the clearance, but it's a handball out to a good user like Salem or uh, Fritch or someone like that who could use the ball good and efficiently going inside 50 and they had a, a shallow forward 50 because they had so much space without six forwards. This year, they couldn't do that, of course. So instead, they're doing hack kicks into the forward 50 to a congested forward 50, not able to take contested marks and not enough space for them to do anything. I think this year is going to be really, more, really more interesting than last in that we knew what the kick-out rules were going to be. Yep. And the 6-6-6, but teams weren't sure how they're going to set up. Do you yep. know what I mean? So at least now, I think it's going to be very interesting where clubs have had a 12-month look and what other people did and how they did things and what they can change, I think this year is going to be even more interesting because they've had the time to settle in. They've had time to strategize. They've had time to talk and work on their game plan because it's hard to work on a game plan halfway through the year. Well, you can't change it. I completely agree with you. So either one of two things to me has to happen. The four line was so dysfunctional that I think they need to replace whoever the four coach was or at least restructure their coaching department yep. so that they can get an efficient forward line happening. They need to do something. Even like Richmond had the like the one tall at one point with all the smalls with the pressure. They need yep. to do something. But even Jack Rewalt's great. If he doesn't market, he brings it to ground. So it's a, you know, they need something. They need Absolutely. to do something differently. So, or restructure the way that they move the ball because that's the other thing. So get your own ballers who can't aren't efficient kickers to start handballing more. Clayton Oliver needs to go back. He actually increased his kick to handball ratio, but maybe, that didn't help him overall and didn't help the team. Maybe uh, Trelaw should give Oliver his boots that we sent him. <laughs> yeah, the two-way boots. The two-way boots. Oh, I like them. Yeah, and then, because you know what happened then? We gave him the two-way boots and he hated them so much, he had to run both ways, but he also gave the handball more often. True. Now, they had a lot of French actually, players leave. How can Clary handball more? He's a handball king. No, he, does, he actually improved his kick-to-handball ratio this Ooh, year. Don't do that. <laughs> and, but, <laughs> do also, do that. It, but also increased his amount of turnovers and clangers. Yeah, so, don't, don't do that. Oh, gee, I wonder why that was. Handball more, Clary. That's where you're at. Um, all right. So he's in the off-season, Jordan Lewis retired, obviously. Corey Maynard retired. Jeff Garlett was delisted. Declan Keaty was delisted. Tim Smith retired, which is unfortunate because he actually had a bit of impact for them when he came in and played a, a role forward. Uh, Sam Frost obviously went to Hawthorne, so um, probably doesn't make too much of a difference to the list there because they had obviously Lever come back from injury. May, hopefully, with a decent preseason, can, can lock down that centre-half back position. Uh, and they also have Oscar McDonald. So they've got enough uh, tall defenders. They didn't really need Sam Frost there anyway, and he's a liability by foot. Um, Jay Kennedy-Harris was delisted after having years on the list and not really doing much. Billy Stretch was also delisted. Showed a little bit of something, but not enough to really warrant anything. Um, Guy Walker retired, never heard of him. And they did get Adam Tomlinson and Ed Langdon. Uh, so Tomlinson from GWS and Langdon yeah, from big, Frio. Big inclusions. Um, Tomlinson has been working his way back in the rehab group though. Yep. So I don't know how much of an impact he'll have straight away. Hopefully he'll get at round one. 
I think with Tomlinson, it's, he's, a, he's a, a semi-answer to their forward solution because he can play forward and chop out in the ruck. However, he's never, even at GWS, he's never really been a real goal kicker. No, I he's think never he's really more been, wing. He's like a, a much better wing. I, a tall I, wingman? 100% I, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm on him on a wing, but I, I don't honestly, think I'll play him there. No, I think Tomlinson and Langdon could go wing to the, and Tomlinson wing forward. I think, I think Ed Langdon 100% plays wing, and yep. I think that um, there's a chance that he improves his output in terms of super coach. But I don't think that he's valid super coach because he's at mid only. He's priced at eighty five. I think you get those two inclusions though. You then bring in um, who was the first one of their first? Not their first pick. So you get the ruckman. Hopefully, maybe if he Luke gets Jackson, a good. Yep. Uh, and then um, big tackle McGee. Car uh, Pickett. Uh, yeah, Pickett. Blah. So, but yep. he could add some real X factor so, as well. So they have addressed the... that little four pressure. But does he play round one? But then if I don't depending know. on how they go with, I think Fritz will be that finesse. I think he might be either on the other wing or on that half forward. So I think they could actually, if they get it together, they could actually bring something to the table. Uh, their team, their team is better this year than it is last year for me. There's still issues in the forward as They're far as their key. More goals. talented this year. Yes, but are they a better team? I don't Not know. this year. I don't know. Not in my opinion. I, I think they could go top eight still, Chris. Oh, that's me. Yeah, I will. I'll take you over and under on eighth position. You can't eighth or. You not. said you're going to make finals. I think they're going right now. I think they're going to make finals. Yeah, of course you're oh, getting there's excited. There's no way they're making finals. There has to be a little leeway at least because they're not going to be, they're not going to be top, top six. nine, bottom nine. That's halfway, fifty percent. Come on, I just gave you an extra position for nothing because you complained. <laughs> just just in case they miss out on percentage. Ten and up. <laughs> nah, nah, not a, doing it. For a sneaky, yeah, of course you're not. All right, so let's move into the premiums before we get onto that bet, which I think probably will happen. It probably will. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's no premium defenders um, of note. They did have obviously Christian Salem last year, who did step up quite a bit. He had some really big games during the season, but he only averaged ninety point five anyway, um, and was four hundred ninety one k. So too expensive to hopefully get a breakout. He probably need to to be honest to be a premium this year. You're looking at 97 plus in defense. I think 97 to 102 is where you should be aiming for. Do I think you can average at least 95? Maybe. Is it worth it at 491? Probably not. Um, the other potential is, of course, Marty Hoare. Um, and that is always dependent on role. So what I can potentially see... So what happened last year is that Marty Hoare was going absolutely fantastic. Jake Lever came back and then took his role, literally took it from out from under him. And then Marty Hall had to play a little bit more small, a lockdown instead of an intercepting defender. If we see with Frost out and Lever playing a more um, targeted defensive role on the other key tool, we could see Hall freed up again, which could make him relevant in draft teams. So I would actually be looking at him and looking at him in the preseason just to see what his role is because it's all role dependent with Marty Hall. But I thought he was fantastic for them last year. And of course, they're going to be seeing a lot of ball down the fence this year. Oh, so. you're, you're an ass. <laughs> Funnily enough, I, I'm, yes, I'm trying to see quickly the markets for Melbourne to make top eight. <laughs> so, so I know what kind of leverage I have. I can't agree to something on here. Leverage it, it's or leverage? Leverage. Okay. I like to lever because it's Jake Lever. I like it as well. Yeah. Um, getting into the midfield premiums, of course, there is the one big one, the big the big dog, uh, Clayton Oliver. I have chatted about him already, but 593K, so just shy of 600 and average 1093 and it was a very up and down year for Clayton, but in the end, it's his consistency that makes him such a valuable pick. He's played all three seasons, uh, 66 games, um, and averaged 111, 114, and 109.4, which for total overall points means he's absolutely a fantastic lock for top 10 in most years. However, you've obviously got to take into consideration the 
his ability to hit top end, which I, I'm a little bit questionable about. He's a very popular player this year. His two big scores for the year were 158 and 175, which really inflated his average, both yeah, so against Gold Coast and Carlton. Yep. So huge downhill skier. Um, he obviously plays Gold Coast this year, which does help. Pays them twice. Pays twice. So there could be a couple of massive games to help inflate That's his true. average. I suppose what that means to us is great VC option in those big those games where they're playing really weak yep. opposition. Yes, it'll be interesting. If Gold Coast, they might strengthen up a little bit, but you look at Trelaw went massive against Gold Coast as well. Uh, Clary did as well. So for me, uh, with their tough draw, I don't mind probably maybe him being an upgrade option to possibly get a big 170 score in the back end of the year to help bring up the average. Yep. I like Clary. And, um, I like Clary as well. I think with their hard start to the year, I think it's one of those ones where he's consistent enough. I think his price will stay around the same. I'm thinking he might get tagged by maybe uh, Hutchinson or definitely DeBoer. Hutchings, Hutchings sorry, yeah. and DeBoer. Um, Which is interesting in itself. So and it, it could be a, a price dropper. Absolutely. Here's the key, though, for Oliver and why I'm not picking him. I do think that he's going to probably be a 110 average anyway, regardless of what we say. So I will probably upgrade to him. I think that he's going to be my last midfield upgrade. However, why I'm not starting him is pretty simple. He had a career high last year in a few different categories, but most notably disposals, contested possessions, and kicks. So he's already pretty much at his peak. He hit 30 disposals last year. If His type of player is not really a guy that averages 35 possessions like a Tom Mitchell. It's more about the contested nature of his game. How he improved it the previous year when he only averaged 29 was he was high in score involvements and goal assists. So he actually was more efficient last year and averaged one less clanger. So to me, the only way that he improves is if Melbourne's forward line can improve where he can be more involved in scores and yeah. scoring instead changing goal assists. Instead of coming back out, he gets goal assists or yeah, inside 50 need, to a mark instead of an intercept. Take a few marks and kick and convert them into goals. Yep. All of a sudden, Clary's average goes up to 114, okay. 150. So by that point, you're saying is then you're going to have a good look at the first half of Melbourne Absolutely. to then determine whether Clary is and more viable. To me, they haven't done enough to warrant their forward line being improvement on last year. Yep. If, there, if there was even one... like If Luke Jackson comes out in the preseason and absolutely smashes it, and is taking contested grab after contested grab, and looks to be a, a very, a, this would be a complete anomaly for a, a tall to be dominant in his first year, then great. You know, I, I think I can see that happening, but I don't see them having better marking power. I don't see them having better forward presence. I don't see them having better leading patterns. Like, I, it's a huge thing for them. They need to completely revamp the forward line. That's weird. Chris, are you spending all your off time down at Melbourne training? No, I do, but here's what I did, though. I did have Clayton Oliver all of last year, and I watched every single Melbourne game. I had him all so, of last year as well. For me, yep. watching it and being um, completely frustrated with how they were playing, that's that's why... So. When, when we talk about this sort of stuff, that's because we watch basically every single game of football that's yeah. on. No, he was frustrating last year. and um, But I was willing to double down on uh, Sicily, Clayton Oliver, and Heaney this year. Yeah. I think that they all have the same... I've rated them last year, so I still rate them again for this year. Yeah. And they were disappointing without being overly disappointing. But the thing is, is that A, with their start to the year, B, I think you know he might actually be a consistent scorer. But there's six other guys that I rate more than him. So even though I like Clary and I think he's going to have a good year, I still rate others above him that have a better buy. So I actually had Clary in one of my starting squads, but he's no longer in my side. And, and he's not that cheap he, he hasn't been. He hasn't been in my side for a while. Well, he's cheaper compared to other premiums. Slightly cheaper. Yeah, he's, Slightly. he may get you. So the, the great like thing about getting to Clary is that you may have that little bit extra cash to upgrade one of your other lines. Yep. It's the only great thing. That's the only great thing. The other thing, of course, um, so I did say that he increased his clangers by one. He still averaged, so he averaged six clangers a game. 
Oh, that's that's twenty percent of his total disposals are direct clangers, which are negative four points. That's a large amount. So again, reduce your clangers, Jeez. increase your average. But so I he do could have averaged he could have averaged one thirty. Oh, absolutely. But he's not the type of player that can like a lot of his clearances are direct clanger kicks. He's not a necessarily terrible kick. His decision making is questionable. But he's not he's a terrible kick. Question mark. His handball inside's good. Dude, his handball inside's good, but he sometimes so tries bites a little bit. You can see that, yeah. He, try, he tries the handball sometimes that's not on that maybe a little a couple a year more in development could get into that. I just don't see him as approaching that next tier. That's just me personally. So I think he's a great M8, but yeah. I don't see him as a top six And to if eight. he's an M8, you don't have to start with it. Well, because I think that there'll be a time when I can pick him up for 550K. Like Oliver's going to drop in price. He's not going to be over 600K the whole year. So I think he's an upgrade target for me. That's just my personal thing. I'm not saying that Oliver is a bad pick. No, me either. I don't think he's a bad pick. I just, I just think don't think he's a top tier pick. I just think there's probably better people that you can start at this point. That's the only thing for me. So, yep. Fair call. And again, if you think that they've fixed their forward line, then I would 100%. If I saw them like work their forward in the preseason, they're kicking a lot of points, a lot of goals... Then I would, but I even would, then, the preseason. But yeah, even then, you, you might tough. as well you might as well just wait. Get a good look. Get a good look at them for the first ten rounds, and then go. Okay, cool. I have confidence in them moving into the back end of the year. Yep. And you're good to go. Whereas moving and deciding before the season starts, it's you too don't, hard. Well, you don't know how they rate up against other people. Sometimes they talk and saying, "Oh, this is great, Port Adelaide. We're going to make the finals this year." No, you're not. I yeah. Like you know how they come. Yeah, no, I and then they go, "Oh, we or St Kilda." And then they came like, what, fourth or fifth last? Oh, we misjudged how good we were. No. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go. Um, so other midfield premiums that aren't really premiums, but they do have draft relevancy. Harms, of course, average 95. We picked him for a mini breakout last year, and he did that. Um, Langdon, uh, 85 from Frio. I think he can improve his average. 90 to 95 is on the cards there. Yep. Um, Brayshaw. What do we do with Brayshaw? Um, uh, we, we didn't predict that much of a drop. No. We dropped off we, the map. We weren't. Sold on him last year, and no. he was a high pick. Like him and Cogs and Matt Crouch, a lot of people jumped on him, particularly Brayshaw. Um, I wasn't sold, and I no. usually go on gut feel and those sorts of things. But he he definitely dropped off a cliff, and he went uh, even on the outside, and just he just disappeared. He wasn't having a good well, year. Well, Harms moved inside, and then Brayshaw think, moved out. I think Brayshaw could have a good year. I am not touching him in standard. And no. I know yes, people might see value there because he averaged like what a hundred the year before, but. He's not still going to be a top 10 pick. Don't pick him. In draft, I think there's huge value. You could pick him up at a 90, and if he only averages you 80, then who cares? Yep. You know what I mean? There's there's upside there. I much prefer him in draft than any other sort of format because and you I can take a risk. And I think he gets picked before I pick him in you draft. You can take a risk, yeah. To be honest. Oh, he probably gets picked before I get him. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping high, um, eight, high 80s I'll pick at, but someone will go 95. Yeah, someone, something, will, something grab, someone will be like, oh, yeah, I'll grab him super early. Something stupid. Done. But, 88 to 90, I could see value yeah. in picking him, but I'm not picking him at 100. Fuck no. No, I, I completely, I'm in the same park with you. Um, but yeah, outside of that, there's not really any other midfield people worth noting. Beware of the hype players in draft too, because I think Brayshaw was hyped up and was picked like round two or something stupid. I didn't in, understand. In draft. I, I, I laughed at that when it happened last year. Yeah. But was, someone, but highly, you know, highly hyped players. Pretty much for draft leagues, do your own research. But yes, there's stuff that comes out, leaked articles, and someone will be playing a new position, or someone's hyped up, or someone had a good end to the back year. People jump early in draft leagues on ones that are talked about. Absolutely. For people that aren't talked about so much, like a Blake, uh, Blakely or something, Fremantle. Blakey? Yep. 
hasn't been spoken about too much. Right. No. Huge value. All of a sudden, if an article comes out saying he's killing preseason I'm next pretty, minute, pretty hot getting, on him too. Next minute, yeah. he's getting, or next minute, he's getting picked like round five. You know. I'd love to start Blakely if he's gonna play midfield, but only if he's playing midfield. Yeah. That's all that. Not anyway, yeah, just beware. All right, into the rucks, of course. You got the big dog. You got uh, big old Maxi Gorn, um, 697k, 128.4 average. He did have a 46 in round 15 where he was injured in the second quarter, um, missed 20 minutes of that quarter. He did come back on, but only had 67% time on ground. Yeah, pretty so much. So whether you consider that. Forward, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. But it wasn't jumping. No, it wasn't. No, and, and basically, he was literally ta- like. He couldn't even take the mark. He was just trying to get the ball out. Um, I don't even know why they put him on the field. Um, they ended up losing that game anyway. Um, That's to Brisbane, but, I think. But whether you consider that you can like a true average and you can take that score out, he was 132.5. I do consider that as that's an anomaly. Like if he was playing fit, there's no way he'd be scoring that 46 there. So we'll see that as a as an output. I don't think it really matters, but he's slightly underpriced based on that. Um, Unfortunately, unfortunately for us as well, he only had two other scores under 100. One was a 99 in round 21, and the other one was 87 in round one, which um, he's been... Those big guys have had a propensity to yeah. jump out of dud score We've in round one. We've spoken about it so many times. Big boys take a little longer to get going. You yeah. know what I mean? Their bodies are bigger. Their fitness takes a little longer, particularly match fitness. Um, rocks usually go massive on the back end. And in a down year, I think he's still probably going to average 115. So is a good money spent? Absolutely. I think with him, it's more about how, um, if you're not picking him, it's justifying why you're not picking him and what you think he's going to average and then making those points up elsewhere yeah. in your team with the extra cash that for, you have. For instance, if you're saying, I'm not starting a Max Gorn because I'm going with a Jacobs or a mid-pricer to try and inflate some money, make yep. some money before I move over, that's a strategy. That's fine. If you're going, oh, I'm not picking Gorn because everyone else does, I'm actually going to pick Goldstein or a Nick Nat for a point. Or Riley of, O'Brien or something. Well, Riley O'Brien, because they're less owned... Even all I said, are they going to be competing in terms of points per game? You need them to be essentially... Arguably not. You need them to out-average Max Gorn. Yeah. Or you need to have it so close to his average that the money you spent elsewhere has made you more points Actually on ground. gained you But either elsewhere. way, you need to make more points if you're not having Max Gorn and if you're not starting a mid-price Absolutely. at a cash. I, uh, so a to me, nutshell. I think 70% of teams, like, like competitive teams, will probably yeah. start with Gorn. And the, the other ones that try and take that little bit of a risk, uh, again, I'm not necessarily against taking that risk, but don't don't pick another premium ruck that's only going to save you 100K or 130K. Like, I don't understand a Goldstein pick because you're probably not going to gain the points and the money's not going to really make too much of a difference on your team. Yep. And you probably then will have to get going in at some stage anyway. So it doesn't make sense to me to be starting another premium ruck that's not gone. Particularly if you're going for overall. So if, Absolutely. You're, if you're playing against a mate and you want to back in Goldstein over a Gorn, then you know, do as you will. But yeah, I that's think fair. Like I don't expect it to win you. The only it might other, yeah. win you occasionally, but I don't, you know. To me, the only other strategy is starting a mid-pricer that's going to make you money and um, you'd be able to reallocate those funds to gain the points per round on your team. Outside of that, Gorn and Grundy to me are the yeah, and we covered this in the standouts. GWS podcast. The we only did. one we see is uh, Jacobs, and again, you're kind of handcuffing yourself in that if he gets injured, you pretty much have to sideways to another dodgy pick, or find the money somehow 300k to go up or 350k to go up to a Gorn, which you're not going to find in the first two months of footy anyway. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, again, he only sub tons twice, and it was 87 to 99. You know, getting under 600k yep. for someone like Max Gorn is going to be a struggle. Uh, I think we've been blessed the last couple of years. Hashtag blessed. Um, for 
the fact that we've had premium rucks back it up. Well, normally you'd have, a, you know, Jacobs was there one year, Steph was there for another year, but we've got two dominant ruckmen yep. at this point in time, which is unseen of usually for people that back it up and be top two after top two. Absolutely. Um, the I, biggest reason for that, in my opinion, is the fact that they changed the, the ruck tap out rules, which yep. um, it leveled out scoring for the, the guys that seriously get hit outs to advantage, like your Gorn and Grundy, that are at like absolute top tier they're going to level out their scoring to be a consistent average. So it's not as reliant on their possessions or how the team's playing. It's, it's are you a good ruck or not? Yeah. Um, Gundy's a little bit different because obviously he gets a lot of his points as well accumulate from his possessions around the ground. He's kind of like a second midfielder. Yep. But um, with the amount of clearances that they've been able to get and the hitouts to advantage that score, like quite often Gorn will go on a 50, 60 point quarter. Yeah. He'll start on 20 points and then at halftime he's on 90. Like that's how good he is. So, um, yeah, it's it's all. And again, do you really want to be that guy that's betting against Gorn? I don't want to be betting against Gorn because if I don't start Gorn, I'm going to be watching the game, and I just know my luck. I'll be watching it. My opponent's going to have Gorn, and he'll be on ninety at half time, and I will be cursing the screen so yep. hard. I'd rather back someone like that in. Yep. And if he gets injured, you're going to be like. 60% of the competition and be able to just trade them out anyway to someone else. Great captain option as well. Yes. Um, and that especially is against weaker rucks. Very valuable. Uh, anyway, so getting into their rookies, uh, which covers... Uh, there is, by the way, oh, sorry, forward premiums. There is none. But you could potentially make an argument that uh, Petraka is a forward premium. Uh, well, he's been a forward I, premium for the last three years, hasn't he? No, nah, but he's only averaged 81 this year. I did write it down, but I can't seem to find it anywhere. Oh, here that? we go. Um, yeah, so average 81. Again, I don't see him moving out of that forward line because they're so, no. so bad in the forward line. I can't see him moving into the midfield. Um, and McDonald averaged 71. So I'm T-Mac, not taking a risk on any of those. Oh, I think T-Mac's got draft value. He has averaged ninety. He has averaged ninety six. I'd pick him up in the mid 80s and you'd be pretty Same happy. Same with Pedraka. I mean, you know, he yeah. could probably average 90 in a good year. Yeah, um, I, I'd happily pick up Petrarca at a you know yeah he's at eighty one average. I'd pick him up at like an eighty four. Yeah, yeah, eighty five. Like yeah, you kind of. I think again because of his name, he's pretty consistent. Yeah, he'll he go. Goes. He'll go eighty five. Someone might even get daring. But again, don't pick someone at a ninety average if you expect them to average ninety when they only averaged you eighty the year before. You pick them halfway and get some value. Yep. Um, now onto the rookies. So not much to really talk about, but they did take three um, picks that they they hope will all play this year. Uh, so the first one, like we've mentioned, uh, Luke Jackson is a 198k ruck, which makes him completely irrelevant for standard. Yes. Um, but he was taking a pick three. He was viewed as a bit, bit of an odd selection. And the main reason, it, like, it's believed that he was taken, and obviously you've got Max Gorn here, why do you need another ruckman, is because the key forward stocks of this year's draft was pretty low. The talent pool was pretty low. So he's actually viewed as a better forward than most of the actual forwards. Forwards. Um, um, so they, they're thinking, okay, well, let's play him as a forward, train him as a forward, and then he can do a, a forward rack chop. chop well, out. not only that, Max Gorn's in his peak. If this guy plays and learns a bit of forward craft and helps out, within a few years' time, Max Gorn will probably be Absolutely. done, and then he'll be the... Like, they rate him pretty much to the like Grundy standard. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, you're talking someone that does get contested ball. He's only been playing for not that long, actually. No. X-Factor, Flair, real good below his feet. He could be in a keeper league. If you don't get, like, say, a row or someone rather in a keeper league, this guy, Luke Jackson, could be an absolute effing steal. And not only that, after this year, he will be forward eligible, forward ruck, or just a forward. Next year, he's going to be a very he valuable He will kill market. it. And at some point, yep. he will be a forward, and there'll be a, a year in there before he makes the transition into a full-time ruck. Yep. He will average awesomely. Ideal scenario for Luke Jackson this year for us is that he does not play at all. 
Uh, and next he, year comes in ruck forward, 123k. No, he's Mate, playing. <laughs> he's playing. I think he will play. I think he'll get games. When that is, I don't think it's early. Depends how I desperate they are for that forward. Surely if, he if, doesn't play round one. Maybe if T Mac doesn't play, he's a big boy. So, uh, not relevant standard, but again, draft value because of obviously keeper leagues, etc. Moving on, uh, the next one they took, they were pretty happy with this pick. Kaziah Pickett, 157k forward. Again, I don't think he's SC relevant for two reasons. First of all, he's 171 centimeters and 71 keg- kegs. So, he's, he's a tiny guy, but he hits hard and he tackles hard. Yeah, pressure And he's a, a very high pressure forward player. Now, unfortunately, both of those things don't mean SC points. He's not going to be one that racks up a lot of ball. Um, he may kick a few goals, but um, I don't think he's going to be SC relevant enough. As, even if he does start round one, there's at 157K, I'm not touching him. No. If th- he was 117 or 120, you might be like, nah. yeah, cool. As a forward, if he's playing, then I, you'd be like, I yeah. may not even in round one, but let's yeah. say round five he comes in and then he plays two games, you get two games of score value and yeah, you, can, true. you can make a call. But I, I think he's going to be a guy that averages 40. I think he so, could be highly relevant for the team, but again, yeah, it's they need his player. Yeah, they need him, um, but is he ready? Probably not. He doesn't have the frame to really play AFL football yet, to my my opinion. So they're going to be heavily building that up. So he may not. He, I don't think he plays round one, and he probably plays sometime during the season. But that doesn't fix their immediate problem. No, which is again, that's why I think it's a just an odd pick. Um, especially considering they took no rookies, and I'll explain that a little bit later as well. The one that may play and could play early is Trent Rivers. He was uh, pick 32, uh, guy from East Fremantle, highly touted but lacks endurance, unfortunately, so they have to work in his tank. He's 188 centimetres and 85 kilo utility. So better size. Better size, accumulates the ball, kicks goals. His one big issue is that they don't know where they'll play him. So he played halfback, wing, on ball, half forward, a little bit everywhere. And he's sort of a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. That's a problem at AFL level because he hasn't really nailed down a spot. So where he plays in his role is going to be important for Supercoach. But young enough that if he spends time in an AFL system, they might actually nut out where his best position is. The problem with that is we want to see him at round one because I think he's a guy that could debut. He could. But as a defender mid, where does he play? Does he play forward of the ball? Because then it might not be worth getting him. So very, very heavy preseason watch. Yeah. I think that he might play round one, um, but it'll depend on his form in the preseason and his role as to whether he'll be valuable. That's fair. Harley Bunnell I wrote about, and then today he's just popped a calf. Again, yeah. Uh, I'm so, not sure if it's a calf, but he's definitely injured. He injured himself today, which means that there's no way he's getting on an AFL list now. Unfortunately, Unfortunately. he was not actually listed by Melbourne. He was training with Melbourne, and they did not... So Melbourne have had... Um, they didn't choose any extra picks there. They left two list spots open to uh, sign someone up before preseason. They were hoping that was going to be Harley Bunnell. And then that left him with one spot on the mid-season draft, um, which happens, obviously. Now that Harley Bunnell's not there, so we could see another potential state league football come into that team. Possible. If, if he doesn't get picked up. And I, I don't know. I don't Depends think on gonna... his injury. Oh, look, I feel bad for the guy now, but I, I can't see them. He's He came over and you know, all the issues and like, look, we'll give you a look in. And maybe you had a good block together. But then all of a sudden yeah. another issue comes up and you're like, well... Do you know what I mean? It's, it's going to get to a point where it's going to cost them more money to have him at the club and more money and resources to try and fix him when you already know that he's pretty well busted. Yeah. it's um. The only way I see Harley actually getting on a list is if he then goes away, gets his body right. Which he's got I to think... take a year off. Got to take a year off, go play some state league footy. Well, that's what I meant. Like as in if he got his body right, played some state league, yep. played a lot of the season, showed some flair, got real comfortable, like confident, if, and, again, then bring him, he... and then you bring him back in. Let's say he plays Waffle for a year. 
or whatever. Yeah, yeah whatever it if may he, be. If he got a year somewhere else, he'd get offered a contract. Absolutely, back on, guaranteed. Hundreds. I think that's what he should be doing. And I mean, you can make decent money in the state leagues. Like, yeah, they pay for play. Like, you can make, you can get a good contract if you're playing. Yeah, if you're playing. Yeah, it's true. Um, but yeah, upsetting for for Benel. Um, so preseason watch really the only ones there, rookies. Uh, I think Rivers is probably the most important one. I don't think there's watch their forward line to see what sort of dynamic they're going with, see if they're actually going to improve this year. Outside of that, I yeah, can't see much a, movement. A lot of unknowns. Really, I, I, I really hate to be negative on Melbourne, but I just don't. I can't see it. Like, in my opinion, restructure your, your team. Like, Get someone down there that can take a mark. Grab a guy from a state league that's going to be able to take some contested grabs. Yeah, they need you know, something. They It'll just be, didn't do they, anything. Well, yeah. And the funny thing is there's so much unknown that it is really a wait and see on Melbourne because they could really improve or they might, yeah, they might not get it right. Which is the funny part. And I actually have a real good mate of mine that's a Melbourne, big, big Melbourne fan, like huge, was there when they gave away the 50-meter penalty and lost the final (laughs) kick. Um, So a couple of years ago, he was giving me a bit of crap because Brisbane sucked. And then last year, I did did not let him know. I didn't let him stop knowing about it. Swings and roundabouts, mate. That is is banter with the boys, right? Yeah, banter, basically. Yeah, when Collingwood were 13th three years in a row, do you think I was... Keep them quiet? Yeah, it was. <laughs> now I'm like, hey, bitch. Oh, yeah. Pies, man. Hey, bitch, we lost a grand final thanks to uh, yeah, that's also Dom Sheep. <laughs> anyway, that pretty much wraps us up for Melbourne. If you have any other thoughts, please do let us know. Contact us directly. We are pretty good on our socials, particularly Facebook. Not so much on Twitter as far as messages because some of them get blocked by walls and things. But a um, whole, I don't know what's happening with Twitter. It's a bit random. Anyway, Facebook, usually I'll keep an eye out. Chris is pretty slack. And it's funny because he is on slack. As That's am I. true. <laughs> so, um, well, in my defence, um, obviously I am getting married next week. Uh, we've said this before, but it's true. I have been absolutely flat stick with these wedding preparations. It's true. So I do apologise to everyone out there. Um, yes, and for those of you wondering, no, we aren't getting married. Uh, I see this man enough as it is. Not that he doesn't want to. Oh. It's not about. It's not about choice. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll catch you later. All right. The C is for the courage I possess through the drama. H is for the hurt, but it's all for the honor. A is for my attitude, working through the patience. Money comes and goes, so the M is for motivation. Gotta stay consistent, the P is to persevere. The I is for integrity, innovative career. The O is optimistic, open and never shut. And the N is necessary, cause I'm never giving up. See, they ask me how I did it, I just did it from the heart. Crushing the competition, been doing it from the start. They say that every champion is all about his principles. Carry. 